Brothers Ends, BrothersEnds.com. I'm here with Adam Spiegel and my brother Mike Spiegel and via hey, Skype. How you doing, Mike? How's it going? All right. <laughs> it's obviously early in the morning. <laughs> we recorded this full episode because today we're going to resent Adam Sandler's The Cobbler. Another Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, you, you love him. We recorded when you were here in town and um, every, like, when I was went to rec- uh, edit it, every four minutes there was a dropout, so... The whole discussion of Ellen Barkin is dropped in and out. And <laughs> I thought I can jump in maybe with subtitles and let people know what's going on. But So we're just going to re-record it this morning for you guys. It's uh, early in the morning. We, our hairs are both very crazy, very, <laughs> very Semitic. Do you know, you could just take uh, the last discussion we had and then add some NPR, This American Life intros. I asked my brother about Ellen Barkin. <laughs> and a little jazz music. <laughs> And as we do this, my cat, Liz, is attacking me because she wants attention because it's early in the morning. So I'm literally getting pawed. Uh, <laughs> Can I tell you a secret, time. Adam? Yeah. I'm going to tell you a secret. Uh, I'm watching Olympus has, fall- has Fallen this morning before you called me. That's a great documentary. I've been taking Perfect. notes furiously. Is that the one with the president or the one without the president? This is the one with the president. So the president kicks ass. I don't know yet. Don't Don't spoil this movie for me. Uh, hey, I took a vote last week and I asked people on our Facebook page. Uh, let's go to facebook.com slash proudly resents. I try to do mostly movie news and such and then a little podcast stuff. I asked if you guys wanted me to edit the show and you said no. So uh, I'm going to edit the show a lot less. You know, I, I know podcasts are supposed to be more natural, but it's hard to. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't want you to include that Olympus has fallen stuff. Nobody else does either. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is you get what you asked for. You know, sometimes you got to be careful. So we're talking about The Cobbler. This is a fascinating film. I saw this and thought of you because I know your feelings about Adam Sandler films. I, I like Adam Sandler. All right. So the, this cat is killing me. I, I so, can see the little cat ears pop up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> so he made all these, obviously makes all these uh, silly comedies. I had some of them were good, some of them were terrible. And um, most of them were terrible. But he's made a couple of good independent Adam Sandler films. Well, Rain on Me, it looks like a good movie, uh, whether it is or isn't. You know, uh, Mike Binder makes movies that seem like they should be good, whether they are or they're not. That's that's the one with the dragon, right? He, Him and Matthew McConaughey fights the dragon, Rain of Fire? <laughs> rain on me, rain on fire, rain fire on me. Yeah, I thought I thought that dra- it was probably the best post-9-11 dragon movie I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it. No, but he made Punch Drug Love, which was uh, obviously made by a great filmmaker. It's a terrible movie, Adam. I really liked it. I thought it was like, just, I didn't care for the guy. It was so extreme to begin with, and then more extremity, and Robert Smigel in the end. Well, you know what I don't like about doing the podcast a second time is that you knew I was going to bring it up. You were ready for me. I have new notes. (laughs) No. I know, I liked it. What they did was they took the crazy Adam Sandler character, a guy who talks like a baby and then yells and screams, and shows you why. And just kind of gave you some background. And uh, So this film looks like The Cobbler, like it's another independent Adam Sandler movie, like that movie, like Rain on Me, uh, Rain Fire on Me. But it's not. It's just like a badly lit version of an Adam Sandler film. You know, I, uh, with some time, I realized that there's something called a bad art house movie that we don't really talk about. 
which is that all your stars, all your favorites, they make just as shitty movies as mainstream films, the ones that we like to mock. And I'm not really talking like The Room. The one I always think about is The Imposters with Stanley Tucci and uh, Campbell Scott. They had done the movie Big Night, and then they decided to do a comedy about these actors who get mistaken. And it's just terrible. And it's an art house movie terrible. We both saw Canadian Bacon in an art house movie. I've never seen Canadian Bacon. You saw? You didn't see Canadian Bacon with me? No. No, that's right. I saw it by myself. <laughs> yeah, but when you say by yourself, I mean nobody else in the country has seen that movie but you. There was a couple in front of me, and they had a forced laugh like, every once in a while to justify being there. It was really just... But th- there's bad Fucking art liberals, house right? Yeah. That was Michael Moore's first and only uh, narrative film. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. I never thought of it that way. Like, there's... Uh, this is going back to the 90s, but Blue in the Face, which is... Yes. Right, so they made this movie Smoke, and they're like, hey, we can just keep shooting and get stars to come in to improvise, and we'll just... Ah, that was a piece of crap. Yeah, I saw that the Opera Plaza, which still exists in San Francisco, and they have something called the Screening Room, which I saw the first movie, and then I went back to see the second movie, and the Screening Room was eight seats, and I paid like 12 bucks back in 98 or something. Holy crap. Yeah, it was a ripoff. It was a total hype. You know what? That's funny. This ties into the website, prowlersins.com. Because <laughs> movies like Blue in the Face and why you went and why I go to all these independent films is there's a great story behind the movie. It's not the movie itself. It's the story behind the film. Like Clerks, you know, they show, or El Mariachi costs $12. And uh, you spent more money, more money to see the movie than to make the movie. So, uh, like, you know, Clerks, My Life's in Turnaround. So there's great backstory. New York Times is a Sunday article about it, and then you want to go see it. Yeah. And uh, whether the movie's good or bad, the story is great. So I just saw Tangerine, which was shot here in L.A. in the really seedy part of Hollywood, and uh, all on an iPhone. And listen, listen to you name drop. What a no big deal, iPhone. Hey. Yeah. Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> oh, Los Angeles. Highland, Santa Monica and Highland. No big deal. But uh, so I read a review. I wrote a review and put it on the website. But it's uh, it's okay. There's some great scenes in it. There's a lot of scenes of people just walking around. Uh, nobody walks in LA except for the movie Tangerine. But uh, so, but the but the idea of the film is great. You know, and it looks really good because the guy overcompensated for the iPhone. It wasn't like he's a filmmaker. You know. Uh, so let's go back to. Um, this movie could have been... Sh- yeah, go ahead. I want to mention uh, Escape from Tomorrow. Have you seen that one? Uh, no, what's that? It, it's a film shot uh, completely at Disneyland. Oh, right. It was like a tourist... Sh- it looked like it was like a tourist shot movie. It's terrible. Was it a horror film? No, it's, uh, it's a white guy who has a midlife crisis, and he's lusting after these two French girls that are there... Uh, and his life's falling apart, and he goes on rides, and the rides go psychotic. You know, uh, I give him credit, and I'm not saying that I don't. Th- I'm, I'll see their next movie. Let me put it that way. I, I, you know, they did what they did with it, but unfortunately, I just thought the plot was kind of weak. It's funny because Disney didn't say don't see this, and didn't embrace it, so that they kind of figured we'll ignore it; it'll go away. So you know, it's kind of a sign that it's not good. Yeah, if that happens. It just felt like, oh, good, he's going to try to make something different. But, you know, all his movies have the same elements. There's um, a, a title of a character, you know, the cobbler. Right, whatever. Adam Sandler is. Very blank, Zohan or Big Daddy. And then um, he's trying to save land for an old lady, usually his grandmother, from an evil developer that we have. Michael Buffer played the evil developer in um, Zohan. 
and this time Ellen Barkin is not as direct about it. <laughs> I mean, she's a bad guy, but she's not a direct person. She's not this, right? ready to rumble, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, she's, she's not, not ready. For, to Are rumble. you ready to Barkin, sea of love? That's all you I know, and I just want to say that Michael Buffer uh, hires his brother, I think his older brother, to because they both sound alike. So his brother does a lot of the announcing. Is that true? Yeah, so hook me up. What's his brother's name? Uh, Michael Buffer's brother. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> to the point. Yeah. So what is this? We haven't, it's 20 minutes in and uh, we've not gotten to what this movie is about. So Mike, you want to give us a little summary? Sure. So this is a movie set in the Lower East Side of New York City, uh, which has a uh, Jewish uh, contingent in there. And in fact, Adam Sandler, his family has been living there since, as we've seen in a preview, at least 100 years. And they are a long line of shoe cobblers. Uh, and Adam Sandler, he just does it because it's his family. His father left uh, his family. His his mom's senile, has a nice apartment, a uh, house, excuse me. And he just goes to work, and he, he's, he's not into it. Until one day, he discovers a magical uh, manual cobble, shoe cobbler machine that if you put a shoe through it, and then you put that shoe on your feet, you become the per- the owner of the shoe, the the current owner, not any previous owners, and not the uh, shoe company's boss. You know, you become that person. So it's his adventures. You know, uh, being other, seeing New York City through the eyes of other people. Which you know, I, I should say, besides being Jewish, he's a white guy. So he gets to see uh, New York City not through the eyes of a white guy. Right. So he can't get a cab. He can't. He can't go into a bodega and dawdle. You know, like think about what kind of beer he wants or what right. kind of soda he wants. They're like, hurry up and choose. Wow, I wow. used to just be able to consider the choices. But well, uh, I thought that scene where he took his shoes off and turned back white, and then the guy apologized. That was pretty fun. <laughs> then he put the shoes on and he threw them out. Yeah, he threw them out again. <laughs> you want trouble? But it, there is a racist element to this, and I, I think I forgot about talk about this last time. He puts on the shoes and becomes different people, including. Uh, different flavors of white people, but also uh, a transgender, but also two black people. And both times he becomes a black person, he commits crimes <laughs> as the true. black person. It is actually true. It's it's I don't know. It's a little blatant. And then also the um, when he's a transgender. I mean, this movie was made like a week before. This blew up. Uh, this it's blew like I changed. It's like I changed. Yeah. So, but it's not as offensive as like an older movie would be or, you know, in the past, but it's, it's not accepting as, as people are today. Well, week later he puts on these, uh, pumps and he's, uh, transgendered. And the first thing he does, he doesn't look at his tits. He puts his hands down his pants. So it's like that kind of weird logic to it. Like, you know, I just, uh, and then he never leaves the house for the rest of the, uh, rest of the movie. Yeah. The rest of it is him is him taking a shower. <laughs> Oh my God! We talked about this the last time, Mike. This is the craziest part. He puts the shoes on of a of a white guy who's a douchebag, and the douchebag guy has a super hot, super hot uh, girlfriend whose other credits include nothing. She's a supermodel. She's a supermodel. It's an Adam Sandler movie. Right, right. Uh, and so he puts on the guy's shoes, goes to the guy's house. She's in the shower and thinks it's her boyfriend, so she invites him into the shower. But the only reason he doesn't go in is he realizes he has to take his shoes off and he would become Adam Sandler again. So he, he was just about yeah. to 
rape this woman in the shower. You know, if it wasn't in the shower, it would have been... Uh, right? I mean, they make it clear that he doesn't do it because he would have gotten caught. No, he, he, he was going to do it. Yeah, I, I'll give this movie credit that it's the premise is that you get to experience life as another person, but he exploits everybody. Uh, he doesn't go, oh, wow, I'm black or I'm transgendered. He's just like, well, I could use this guy to steal this or I could use this to go into this woman's bathroom. He uses it for the most superficial reasons. It isn't like he gets epiphanies and learns about the full spectrum 360 of life. He's still very narrowly doing his own little selfish things. It's kind of like a, a rapier zapped again. Well, uh, I, I think of Revenge of the Nerds when uh, the guy wore the Darth Vader mask and fucked the girl in the... Uh, remember Revenge of the Nerds? And she thought she was having sex with Darth Vader. Right, right. And it winds up being uh, Christian Hadison. Uh, Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Sorry. Christian Hadison's even better. Yeah. It's so funny. I, I, I get called out for saying names wrong, and I have my brother on. And now there's two people doing it. So, so. who's that actor at? Uh, Pierre Bronson? Who's that? Of Remington Steel. What's that actor's name? Oh, Pierce Bronson. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know you're, that's what's so great about it. You're going to make fun of me about it, but you can't do it either. You're so worse. The actor from uh, Family Guy, that's Patrick Walbarton, right? Yes, Walbarton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things about this movie is that, so next door, Steve Buscemi is a barber, uh, which, again, Adam Sandler movies. He, you could you could take your checklist. You mean he's always in uh, yeah, checklist. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so it's a checklist. There's there's product placement in this movie. There's Adam uh, Sandler's friends with Steve Buscemi. Uh, there's no Alan Covert, uh, if that's how you pronounce his name. Nick Swartzen doesn't show up, but there's there's Buscemi, uh, and he's okay. <laughs> Buscemi's in all his from He plays barber next door. That and then I. I um, they to show how New York and how Jew, Jewish they are. They they Adam Sandler and him trade newspapers, so they trade the Daily News for the Post when they're done reading it. And um, but the thing that I, I found false about it is that the Jews won't read the Daily News. Why like, won't the Jews won't. read the Daily News? Is it because of Sonny Adams? They, they, yeah, they're committed they to Joey them. Adams. He's not. Once Joey Adams died, they're like, we don't, we don't want it. No, because I guess years ago. Um, they uh, they printed some anti-Semitic stuff because our, our uncle Mike, when he was he was very old, when he was dying, I went over to his house to see him, and I brought him food, and I had a daily news with me, and uh, I went to give him the paper, and he's sitting at the table, and this is like days before Mike died, and then uh, I said, "Do you want the paper?" He's like, "Yeah, what do you got? The Post?" And I thought, "Yeah, whatever. What's the difference?" And I was like, yeah, no, I got the Daily News, and he starts screaming, "I don't want the Daily News, cock and bullshit!" And then just yelling stuff and in English and a little bit of Yiddish and then this is crap and uh, his wife was freaking out obviously it was just like <laughs> um, don't why would you give him the daily yes. news no I'm the bad guy yeah you know give it, so uh, yeah so they had printed a bunch of anti-Semitic shit back in the day so I just a fact I think they would switch papers and be like ah get out of here yeah, I'm not wearing news. shoes of somebody yeah, yeah I'm wearing these Jewish shoes but um, the movie opens with a little backstory about the the cobbler machine and that's a little, you know, to kind of give it some mysticism because, you know, Jews were only mystical. Um, Kabbalah, baby, that's all we read. A lot of people think, well, don't you read the uh, five books of Torah? No, we're just Kabbalah first. Bar Mitzvah is like, learn all the secret Jewish stuff and then don't tell your friends about it ever. We're like tall, dark leprechauns. Yeah, um, right. Swarthy leprechauns. What, overweight leprechauns. Swarthy leprechauns. Welcome, <laughs> Jewish people. So uh, it is. They eat pickles and they talk about like 
they have a turf war with the other merchants or something like that. Talk to the landlord. Uh, it's never really specified. You know, pro- movies like this, they have a tacked on intro, which is not referenced until the last reel where somehow it all ties in together. As mawkish as or awkward as it could be. Yeah, um, so he goes through this adventure of he wants to get revenge against the the, the black guy for uh, who's a method man for being mean to him. So he he becomes all these different people. He brings like a bag of shoes over to harass the guy at his house. You know, right? uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So he's a kind of a menacing guy, I guess. He's got grills. He's got a, an attitude chip on his shoulder. Right. He's stereotypical. And so the love interest in this film again brings up the Adam Sandler trope of. Uh, trying to save the land from the evil developers. So, first of all, this movie is way behind the times because if you go to the Lower East Side, the evil developers there. They won. He's already knocked it down. I mean, all those old Jewish stores and stuff, they're 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 gone. She's live in also LA, a very young uh, love interest, Adam. Yeah, so another uh, Adam Sandler trope. Yeah. Yeah, she's age-appropriate for movies. You know, if you come to L.A. and you go on uh, Fairfax, it used to be all Jewish stores, now it's hat stores. Uh, <laughs> true. You know, Right, so yeah. it's kind of the same things happen on the Lower East Side. So it, it's already gone. But let's talk about when Adam Sandler's father, who I guess in the story left them years ago. Mm-hmm. What does Adam Sandler do for his mom? Oh, I get to talk about this scene. Well, he he finds a pair of his dad's shoes, realizes he could look like his dad if he wears them, and his mom, being as uh, senile as movie moms go, uh, doesn't notice. He puts on. He dresses up in his father's clothing, his band, uh, his deadbeat dad's clothing. Puts on the magic shoes, becomes his dad, who's played by Dustin Hoffman. Has a dinner date with his mom and does nothing sexual, at least uh, not in this version. And then uh, <laughs> she wakes up dead with a smile on her face, and he's racked with guilt that he caused his mom's death by doing some weird incestuous stuff. The incest part doesn't really freak him out. He's trying to be nice to his mom, I guess. I guess it's supposed to be sweet, but I, I think when you start with a premise and it's just so like a, like a dirty is the only word I can think of, like kind of slimy kind of things, it, it's hard to make, oh, this is the sweet moment when he dances with his mom. And they could have set it up better, I guess. I'm just trying to figure out a way that they could have done it that's not gross. Uh, I want to bring up the pickles. The, the stick is that Jews love pickles, and they, they eat them 100 years ago. He goes to a store called The Pickle Guys, a real store, and buys them by the crate. Uh, Bashemi likes pickles, and then at the end they say you need to eat pickles to be able to transform into people. That's that's part of it. So again, they take a story element and somehow tie it into the end. Yeah, who are the um, product placement in this film? Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's for for an art house film. It makes sense if you're going to be a shoe cobbler, you're going to have some brand name shoes. I don't I don't have a beef with that. Uh, the pickle guys, it's a local store. They they mention it. Oh, where else do I have? Method Man is eating Subway. Uh, Oh. Yeah, he's sitting there with the sandwich wrapper and the drink, and he's at a park bench eating an entire sandwich. It's very realistic. Well, because in New York, it's it's the home of the sandwich in New York. I mean, there's other homes of other sandwiches, but you can go, you can throw a rock, and I I don't suggest this. (laughs) I suggest it. Go ahead. But you'll hit a, a really good deli, like a really good sandwich place, a really... So I just when I went back to New York, I realized like you don't need Subway in LA. We don't have any sandwich places really that are. We have a couple, but it's not like every freaking block. So Subway makes sense, but in New York, if you worked at Subway, I feel like that's like an embarrassing thing. Like I couldn't get a job at a real deli 
so now I'm working at this, you know, <laughs> oh, my son's working at Subway. Oh, really? Because he got bad hands. He can't hold stuff. He's all thumbs. Um, he's got no class. So, yeah, it's weird that he, he would eat a Subway. And Subway's great at, like, jackhammering themselves into storylines and situations of shows. You know, oh, like, God. Sh- what was that what was TV gonna- show at? Chuck? Well, I was thinking, yeah, well, Chuck's the one I was thinking of. When, uh, yeah, he's blatantly eating a Subway or they'll talk and they'll bring up Subway. Yeah, Subway's in uh, community. Uh, it becomes the Subway University or something. It's very gratuitous. In the last two episodes of the fifth season, uh, before they went to Yahoo, it was all Subway. So if you wanted to watch this show as a send-off, you had to sit through that commercial. Which was the show. Yeah. When I say it's badly, it's like badly lit. It's just darkly lit. You know, that's the, the idea. The, the filmmaker has made some great New York City films. Mm-hmm. In the past, including a uh, station, a- station agent, which is New Jersey, uh, yeah, uh, right outside New York City. I knew as soon as I said it, I was like, I'm busted. <laughs> um, but Tom McCarthy also made um, The Visitor, which is another great film. So you figure he's going back to his punch drunk love well, and he's going to make a uh, a cool indie film. But it's this, you know, it's the same crap. It's just uh, harder to see if you have eyes over forty. So one of the, I wanted to bring up more sandwich stuff because this kind of rubbed me the wrong way. He comes to the store, uh, opens the store. Uh, Bashemi is next door. He's opening a store. So I assume it's a.m. And the first thing Adam Sandler does, he comes there, sits down, takes his sandwich and his soda and starts eating a sandwich at like 7 in the morning or whenever he opens. That's the most unrealistic part. Yeah, that's very unrealistic. <laughs> that bugged you, not him turning into different people. Yeah, now if you know the owners, uh, the people who work at Voltage Entertainment, if I could just talk to them about this for a couple minutes, uh, it would really help me out. It's just bothering yeah. me. And again, it wasn't, it, didn't, it wasn't a Sony film, or it didn't look like a Sony film, or it didn't look like a... Um, a Happy Madison. A Happy Madison. So it's weird that you would go outside your own system to make the same movie. So this movie is racist. When he is Method Man, he just walks up to a white guy and says, give me your shoes. And the guy does. I guess that's the joke. I mean, you could say, well, they're playing off of it. These two characters are, are reacting a certain way. But also then Method Man, he starts to, he, goes, he starts saying some anti-Semitic stuff that I've never heard anybody say before. This is all new to me. He says, you're Jewish? Lucky you. And uh, he warns him that he's going to kick some skin off your foreskin. Your forehead, excuse me. Yeah, that was, that was weird. It's like, uh, how can I be offended by that? Because I don't understand <laughs> I don't, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Lucky me? Oh, because we're the chosen people? That took a couple minutes, but yeah, I guess so. I'll take it because I'm yeah. a swarthy leprechaun. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of swarthy leprechauns, let's ruin the ending. Uh, yeah, the, the movie's on Netflix. The movie is um, not really worth watching. <laughs> it's, it's a mess. You know, I, I hope the director makes a better movie next time and learn his lesson. Uh, and I hope Adam Sandler learned his lesson that he just... You know, but I also feel like I wish that you could say, like, oh, that he learned his lesson. He also sold out and maybe got some money to send his kids to college or pay off his... So now he can keep making good films. But again, it looks like a low-budget film, so I feel like everyone loses. Like, oh, let's, I'm going to do a low-budget movie, uh, a low-budget version of an Adam Sandler film with Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. So, Why did he pick Adam Sandler? He could have got someone else to play Adam Sandler. Yeah, I mean, you're going to go low-budget. Who is Adam Goldberg? Who's the low-budget Adam Isn't that Sandler? funny he used to say that? Yeah, the guy from uh, Girls. 
He's uh, what's his name? Uh, Adam Driver. Yeah, but he's like the yeah, yeah. That's who should have been in this film. It feels like an Adam Driver version of an Adam Sandler film. That's yeah. the way it looked. Yeah, and it would have made more sense. Um, it would have. Yeah, I don't know. I saw uh, it in so HD, like, and I never really. I don't like when I see it in HD, and you get to see all the sweat and all that stuff. Of <laughs> them trying to get through the scene. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get to the ending, we talk about Ellen Barkin. Um, she's in it. She plays the the bad guy. She plays Michael Buffer. She plays the Michael Buffer's brother, and um, yeah, his name is actually Ellen Barkin. So that was a tribute to him. <laughs> uh, so he, I don't know. Sandler sets her up by um, pretending to be the the Channel One news guy. Yeah, Channel One news guy. TV. Uh, I guess, how long has that, the network's been on the air? Like 20 years now? Yeah, at least. Yeah. So it's the local news, local, local news. And uh, so I, I'm pretty sure the <coughs> New York One reporter is a real reporter. I mean, unless he's an actor, I don't know. But it just made sense in this movie. Why not? More product placement. Yeah, product for five blocks radius. But um, yeah, so I don't know. He, he goes as the reporter and... Um, he catches her. So it's just weird. It's a high concept film where, you know, he, he, uh, he can solve a jewel heist. He can steal, do a jewel heist in the high concept film or solve a crime. And in a high concept, Adam Sandler film, you save, um, the town that you live in. So what, uh, let's talk about the ending. Okay. Uh, so, um, here's the ending. Winds up. The dad is Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi has been wearing magic shoes. Hold on. Sorry, everybody. Spoiler alert. Keep going. Oh, yeah. So it winds up Dustin Hoffman never left them. He's been working next door wearing the magic shoes of Steve Buscemi, pretending to be Steve Buscemi all these decades. And not only that, uh, they own the building because underneath the building is a secret lair for cobblers uh, where he has – like it looks like those hat stores on Fairfax. He has these display cases on brick walls. Of all the shoes of famous people, uh, Derek Jeter, and it winds up it's a whole cabal of cobblers who rule the city and fight their common enemy, dry cleaners. I mean, I swear to God, this is just pulled out of their ass in the last five minutes of this movie. And in the beginning of the movie, again, this whole thing in the beginning and the end, Adam Sandler sees a rich guy, the one he, the girlfriend he wants to have, and he says, "Oh, the guy's got a driver." Well, at the end of the film, not only is there a cabal of cobblers and a secret lair. But at the end of this hallway is a car with a driver. It really hurts my head. Why? Because I think they intentionally did that, that his dreams come true. Now he has his own driver. There happens to be a car underground in the city block of Lower East Side with a driver standing around 24-7 waiting for Dustin Hoffman to show his, his son that. Does that guy have enough oxygen under there? Does he go out and see sunlight? I mean, like, how did he get there? He take the bat pole? I mean, I don't... The idea of, like, it blows up. So it winds up... He explores beyond himself, does very selfish, rapey things, comes back, and is rewarded that his dad's back. His dad's been there all along, and he's rich, and he has a secret cabal, and in Cobbler 2, they fight dry cleaners. Oh, I can't wait for Cobbler 2. If only. I keep thinking of The Simpsons, Adam, uh, when Homer is on community duty, and he's serving... Uh, uh, drive a deal, you know, like the Meals on Wheels, and he goes to an old age home, and there's a, a TV dinner, and the guy looks at it and he goes, uh, there used to be a cobbler, 
And Homer says, oh, we, they discontinued the cobbler. And the old man smells his, Homer's breath and says, you smell like cobbler. And I think Homer says, I'm not going to stand here and argue about who smells like what. But I keep thinking about, like, you smell like cobbler, this entire movie. You they, smell like cobbler. They discontinued the cobbler. It's the funniest thing I ever heard. That's what I thought of. All right, let's wrap this up. Mike, would you recommend this film? Yeah, uh, if you're an Adam Sandler fan, you should see it. Um, I think just on the whole, no. It's uh, it's 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 a, a unique failure. Uh, it's definitely like you watch it. It could have been a better movie, but I don't know. I'm on the fence. Sure, why not? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's on Netflix. You can watch ten minutes of it and tell us what you think. It's not as fun as a wacky Adam Sandler film, but it's. I don't know. It's no, I, I say don't see it. I say if you're on a plane, get out. Yeah. Walk, walk off. Um, Which set of Sandler movie would you prefer to watch over at the Cobbler? I, I don't know. I don't want to be a snob and just say Punch Drunk Love is the only one to see. Ridiculous Six is the answer. Which one? Ridiculous Six. What's that? It's the reason why you have Netflix. It's his first Netflix movie. It's the, uh, it's the Western parody that's coming out. Oh, yeah. So he made a deal. I guess Sony or his company with um, Netflix, so they're going to distribute his movies directly, or they're going to go right into a subway. I think that makes sense. Yeah, so Sony, I don't know, has some kind of deal with him. He must have pictures of them or something. <laughs> where he's just there. There's a. I used. I was working there, uh, Sony, about a year ago, and he has a big office there, and they make all his films. And if it, when they did the hack, the Sony hack, I guess there was uh, emails back and forth saying, "Why are we still in business with this guy?" But they are. I don't know why. So. His movies are going direct to uh, Netflix. We'll talk about it. Another movie we're going to talk about. I'm looking forward to Pixels. I feel like... Please no, don't I make- am not. I am so... Listen, 80s nostalgia is killing America. Just stop it. It's moribund. Futurama did this 15 years ago, this premise. It's moribund. It's done. It's dust. You, I feel more embarrassed than listening to someone talk about Greece. It's over. It's done. I don't care. There's been video games. Minecraft would have made a better movie if the Minecraft people came to life. I would have sat through Minecraft pixels. I'm not saying it's through Donkey Kong. Sorry, Adam. So another movie that's going direct to TV is Joe Dirt 2. American Loser. Yeah, so that's a David Spade follow-up that nobody asked for for a film nobody really watched. I guess people watch it on cable a lot or on streaming, so they made it a sequel. And it did really well, Mike. It got uh, 8 million views. Or, in five days, you said. Uh, there were 1 million views, sorry, but it made equivalent of $8 million in theater, which with no theaters, that's a good profit margin. So they Sony made a direct sequel, and they posted it on their streaming site, Crackle, which is free with ads. And it's out there. So I guess we're going to watch it. That's a challenge. You guys challenge you to watch it. Um, and again, if you have seen The Cobbler, are you going to see The Cobbler? Go to the Facebook page and make comments. Here, do you think? Yeah, so we're going to watch Joe Dirt. That's our next film. Uh, you, with you've Mike seen and I Joe Dirt one, right? You know what? I, I probably I've seen it like three in the morning. Dennis uh, Miller on, on is HBO. a radio host, and that's the structure of the show. Is that he's talking about his, his adventures at the radio station, and every so often they cut back to Dennis Miller going, "What?" In the radio station, you did what? So. I hope they keep the same format. I hope Dennis Miller shows up in this movie. Um, go to our website to get a review of Tangerine. I have a review of Chuck Norris's film Breaker Breaker. 
on there. You as have well. a list of ten people you uh, owe money to, which is very funny. Thanks. I saw that on Media Yenta. Yeah, it's, um, we'll have a link to that uh, on this on the page. Mediento was the mediento.blogspot.com was the uh, blog I did from 2002 to 2012 maybe. Yeah. And then uh, I just post stuff on there that I don't fit on Proudly Resents. But I'll have a link to that as well. Get Mike at Luggage Tuesdays at Proudly Resents for me and uh, go to proudlyresents.com. Share the show if you like it. Join our Facebook page. Love to hear what you think about these films and other films. And uh, a link to Mike's very funny book, Mike's Big One uh, Joke Book, which we have on sale for our listeners. And that's it. Big announcements. Big things happening soon. All right, Mike, let's go. You got to go to work, and I got to take care of the cat. All right, thanks. Good talking to you, Adam. All right, thanks, Mike. Talk to you later. Talk to you. Bye. We're out of time for this interview. Thanks for listening to Proudly Resents. Make a comment or suggest a film at reachadam at mac.com or on our comment line. Ready? Get a pencil. (laughs) I'll wait. Okay? Got one? Okay. 646-481-5476. Keep it clean and short. We might air it. Join us on Facebook or be old school and go to our website, proudlyresents.com. If you like the show, put the episode up on your Twitter, Facebook, stumble upon, dig, you know, all those things. Tell a friend, I'm Eddie Pepitone, and my Twitter account is at Eddie Pepitone.